from the authors of Author Masterminds. This is Mysterious. Mystery surrounds us every day. Join us and listen to true stories of mystery, from human behavior to nature and the physical environment to paranormal experiences. The stories are true, even if we can't explain them. The world is full of mysteries. On this episode, I'm going to share about specific phenomena, the vile vortices. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers. I love mysteries of all kinds, but my favorites are of the supernatural variety. My writing reflects my passion. The oldest conflict in the world, good versus evil, is the center of my books. When I was a teenager, the Bermuda Triangle became a significant anomaly to the public. Even at that young age, I was intrigued by the thought of mysterious forces at work able to make entire fleets of ships disappear, which brings me to the topic of this episode. So what is Vile Vortex? You've heard the chilling stories of the Bermuda Triangle, right? Well, there are several other mysterious places where ships and planes seem to just vanish. These 12 places are collectively called the Vile Vortices, and like their most famous sibling, they all hold some rather creepy secrets. For the sake of time, I can only share a few. To this day, scientists are not exactly sure how vile vortices work or even why they occur. What we do know is that there are areas in which strange, possibly even paranormal phenomena, disappearances, and disturbing tales seem to be commonplace. The Bermuda Triangle is most likely the most famous of the vortexes. The vile vortices are 12 equidistant vertex points on a planetary grid. Ivan T. Sanderson, a naturalist and paranormal investigator, originally plotted these anomalies. Sanderson first coined the term vile vortices in his article, The Twelve Devil's Graveyards Around the World, published in Saga magazine in 1972. Sanderson is the founder of the Society for the Investigation of the Unexplained, and was avidly interested in investigating ship and plane disappearances linked to the paranormal. So in the late 60s, he focused his attention on 10 areas that were approximately equidistant and were the subjects of reported unexplained incidents and or electromagnetic distortions. Ten vile vortices are located in the Earth's tropical climates. Five of them fall within the Tropic of Cancer, and the other five within the Tropic of Capricorn. The remaining two vile vortices are located at the North and South Poles. Together, the vile vortices form the vertices of an icosahedron, which is a 20-faced polyhedron. Sanderson theorized that hot and cold air and sea currents crossing these saucer-shaped areas might create the electromagnetic anomalies responsible for the disappearances of planes and seagoing vessels and the reported mechanical and instrument fail malfunctions in these areas. Interestingly, half of the vortices reside above the equator and half below it. They are also evenly spread out on the Earth, which investigators suggest prove that there is something logical and mathematical to this chaos. For reference, here's a list of the vile vortices. The Bermuda Triangle, the Algerian megaliths, the city of Mohenjo-Daro, 
The Hamakulia Volcano East of Hawaii, the Dragon's Triangle in the Devil's Sea, the South Atlantic Anomaly, the Wharton Basin, the Easter Island Megaliths East of Rio de Janeiro, the Loyalty Islands, the North Pole, and the South Pole. In this episode, I'll share about the three best known of these vile vortices, the Bermuda Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle, which is in the Devil's Sea, and the South Atlantic Anomaly. I will also share an incident from the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts and the Alaska Triangle, well, because it's in Alaska, which is close to my heart. Just so you know, all 12 geographic areas have reported instances of magnetic anomalies and other unexplained phenomena. The Bermuda Triangle has a long and sordid history. Whole fleets of torpedo bombers, spy planes, Navy ships, the infamous Mary Celeste, and others have all come to mysterious calamity in this ocean area near the tip of Florida. Glowing water, spinning compasses, random malfunctions, and strange sightings while passing through are reported by the lucky ones who weren't lost. The other thing we know for sure is that people are dying here. In the last 100 years, over 1,000 people have lost their lives to the Bermuda Triangle. Whether or not you believe something paranormal is happening, you must admit that those are some pretty scary numbers. The South Pacific Anomaly is particularly interesting because NASA has extensively studied the area itself. An inner and outer radiation belt surrounds the Earth. In the South Atlantic, the inner radiation belt comes closest to the Earth's surface than anywhere else, creating an area where the Earth's magnetic field is weaker and there's a flux of energetic particles. Many times, satellites who go through this belt experience malfunctions and glitches, and astronauts see strange shooting star-like lights. This place also causes severe problems for aircraft. Planes disappear mysteriously here, which probably has something to do with navigational and electronic malfunctions. The Dragon's Triangle is located in the sea the Japanese call Ma'ano Umi, which loosely translates as the Sea of the Devil. Often compared to the Bermuda Triangle, the Dragon's Triangle is an area where seagoing vessels and aircraft allegedly mysteriously disappear. Besides vanishing planes and ships, phenomena linked to the Dragon's Triangle include ghost ships, UFOs, lapses in time, and electronic equipment malfunctions. Some writers, including Charles Berlitz, even link the Dragon's Triangle to the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. In the USA are the Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts, and the Alaska Triangle is, well, in Alaska. Although not an official vile vortex, the inland Bridgewater Triangle is likely one of the world's most concentrated areas of various paranormal reports. Located just 30 miles south of Boston, this 200-square-mile area has the Massachusetts towns of Abington, Freetown, and Rebahoth at its angles. Located nearly dead center within the triangle is the town of Bridgewater, and the area also encompasses six other Massachusetts towns, Rainham, Taunton, Brockton, Mansfield, Norton, and Easton. Aside from the number and diversity of paranormal reports, what is phenomenal about the Bridgewater Triangle is that the first report of paranormal activity was made almost three centuries ago in 1760. At 10 a.m. on May 10, 1760, a, quote, sphere of light, unquote, was reported to hover over New England and emit light so brightly it cast shadows in the morning sun. Reportedly, people saw the light in both Bridgewater and Roxbury. Since then, the area has spawned a diversity of reports that include paranormal events, ranging from ghost dancers 
to UFOs to cryptozoological sightings. Pause for a minute to let you know that author masterminds, publication consultants, and the Readers and Writers Book Club sponsor this podcast. We invite you to join the club where you can chat with the author mastermind authors, read free content pieces and serialized books, and buy books at 50% off the list price. Please check the show notes for links to the book club and the author mastermind store to learn more about me and my books. Previously, I summarized activity in three of the vile vortices of the world and the one in Massachusetts. Now, I'm going to share a detailed story about the Alaska Triangle. The Alaska Triangle, an area often compared to the Bermuda Triangle, where people disappear at a higher than normal rate. The Alaska Triangle stretches from Anchorage to South Central Alaska to Juneau in the Southeast Panhandle to Utkiagavik, formerly Barrow, on Alaska's northern coast. Since 1988, more than 16,000 people have vanished from this area, and every year, approximately four people go missing per every thousand Alaska residents. This rate is twice the national average. It can be argued that people, planes, and boats disappear at a higher rate in Alaska because Alaska can be a dangerous place. Alaska has some of the most intimidating terrain and geography on the planet. Huge mountains covered by glaciers pockmarked with deep crevices and canyons descend into heavily forested slopes, and these in turn plunge into the North Pacific Ocean. Couple this daunting landscape with challenging weather conditions, and you can understand how and why people and planes disappear in the 49th state. Still, Alaska has many unsolved mysteries. People walk into the forest and never return, and boats disappear without ever sending out an SOS signal. Perhaps the biggest mysteries, though, involve aircraft. A case in point is the disappearance of a Canadian Pacific Airlines DC-4 on July 20, 1951. The Canadian Pacific Airlines DC-4 departed Vancouver, British Columbia, headed to Elmendorf Air Force Base near Anchorage. This was a contract flight scheduled for the U.S. Military Air Transport Service during the Korean War. The flight was scheduled to refuel at Elmendorf and again in the Aleutian Islands at Shimia before switching crews and continuing to Tokyo, Japan. The 31 passengers consisted mostly of active duty military or civilians attached to the military. The crew included two pilots, two stewardesses, a navigator, a flight engineer, and a radio operator. The weather was calm until the flight passed Baranoff Island and edged out over the Gulf of Alaska. Turbulence shook the aircraft, but it was not bad enough to concern the pilots. At 11.17 p.m., approximately 30 minutes after passing Sitka, the crew made a routine position report over the Cape Spencer intersection in the Gulf of Alaska. The pilot estimated their arrival over the Yakutak radio range at midnight. The crew reported no problem with the aircraft nor the weather. Sometime over the next 40 minutes, the Canadian Airlines DC-4 disappeared into thin air. No evidence of the plane or its 38 occupants has ever been found, despite an intense search over the next several weeks. The tragic disappearance of the DC-4 is a harrowing story by itself, but it is only part of a tale. A year earlier, a C-54 transport plane crashed into Mount La Perouse, not far from the area where the Canadian Airlines plane disappeared. In the case of the C-54, 
Investigators speculated the pilot crossed the Cape Spencer intersection in bad weather, became confused about his position, and flew into the mountain. A year and a half after the disappearance of the Canadian Airlines DC-4, a General Dynamics cargo DC-3 crashed into Mount Creelon in bad weather under similar circumstances. Only seven miles separate Mount Creelon and Mount La Perouse, and this is also the same area where the Canadian Airlines DC-4 disappeared. In 1948, a Pacific Alaska Air Express DC-3 disappeared in the same area in bad weather, but it was flying south while the other three airlines were headed north. How could four large planes with well-trained crews either crash or disappear in this one small area of Alaska? Pilot and author Gregory Leifer offers a logical explanation in his book, Aviation Mysteries of the North. Leifer explains the rather confusing system pilots used to navigate in the 1940s and 1950s in Alaska. Pilots followed Morse code signals relayed by range stations. These signals alerted the pilot and navigator to the plane's position within a designated airway. This worked fairly well in good weather, but in bad weather, the pilot had to strain to hear the weak signal in his headphones, and sometimes the signals could swing, providing inaccurate information to the crew of the aircraft. Most confusing of all, though, at the Cape Spencer intersection, the airway switched from outbound to inbound, forcing pilots to remember to switch from keeping the in net quadrant signal to their right and making sure they maintained their position in the airways by now keeping the in signal to their left. At the same time, the pilot had to remember to switch from the Sitka frequency to the Yakutak frequency. Unfortunately, in 1950, the Sitka and Yakutak frequencies and station identifiers were similar. Gregory Leifer suggests the crew of the Canadian Airlines DC-4 neglected to change frequencies from Sitka to Yakutak after crossing the Cape Spencer intersection. When the crew heard the Morse code N signal to their right instead of to their left, they assumed they were flying too far to the left of the airway. If they tried to correct the perceived error and fly to the right, they could have easily flown into one of the many high peaks of the coast mountains. A crash into a mountain might have initiated an avalanche of snow that buried the plane so deep it will never be found. After the fatal crash of the General Dynamics DC-3 on Mount Creelon in 1952, authorities changed the similar frequencies and station identifiers at Sitka and Yakutat. Still, Leifer points out that many other civilian and military aircraft have been lost in the general area of the Cape Spencer intersection since World War II. Some disappeared while flying the airway system, while others vanished while operating under visual flight conditions. Leifer notes that most of these planes have never been found. The icy peaks along this section of Alaska must hide dozens of aircraft. A Northwest Airlines DC-4 flying south in the area near the time the Canadian Airlines DC-4 disappeared reported lightning, much stronger winds than were forecasted, and icing conditions. The captain also noted the poor radio reception and erratic swinging of the Yakutak course signal. Did the swinging of the signal cause the Canadian Airlines aircraft to fly off course and into one of the many mountain peaks lining the coast? Those who believe the Alaska Triangle sits on vile vortices are not surprised to hear about malfunctioning course signals in the region because one of the hallmarks of negative energy vortices is that they cause electrical instrumentations to malfunction. The pilot of the Canadian Airlines DC-4 depended on Morse code signals to maintain the plane's position on the designated airway. Any malfunction of the signals would cause him to fly off course. If he veered to the left, the plane would fly out over open ocean, but if he headed right of the airway, he risked flying into a mountain. So the question remains, 
Did the DC-4 go off course because of poor radio reception? And if so, was it because of a storm? Remember, the crew had just said the weather was clear. Or was it because, as vile vortices have a habit of doing, the instrumentation malfunctioned because of electromagnetic interference? That is the question for you, my listeners, to answer. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please check out the show notes. You will find links to the Author Mastermind store and Readers and Writers Book Club. You will also find out more about me and where you can acquire my books. Thanks for listening. Until next time, may the sun always be on your face, the wind at your back, and the good Lord walk beside you.